your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. Gentlemen, some sports guy Hickman, and this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all of the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Cody, it's Friday, right? And uh, you guys know you can check this episode out, all the episodes uh, from the week. We've had an amazing week, had some uh, uh, Brandon Scott from 610 on. We did our crossover with my boy Luke Braun from Locked On. Vikings had a very good week. I had an opportunity to dive into the Texans game from Sunday, dive into uh, what they need to do for the future and discuss what they need to do against the Vikings to get their first dub of the year. But you guys can find all of these episodes on all of your major podcasts and platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And for today, Cody, you know, we kind of want to run down what the Texans need to do Sunday, right? So we're going to look at does the Texans need to pass more this game? They had a lot of success in the first half against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they did a very good job of neutralizing, for the most part, in that first half, the two bookends, T.J. White and Bud Dupree. We're also going to take a look at how confident are we in the Texans' run defense and slowing down uh, Alvin Cook, who's averaging just right under 100 yards per game, and he is really doing whatever he can to carry that team. And he's going to continue to do everything he can to carry that team into their first victory on Sunday. And our lasting thoughts, talk about the injury report. And, Cody, your boy, Will Fuller, (laughs) is back on the injury report with a hamstring. So we're going to talk about those things today as we prepare for Sunday. And, you know, before we go into that, it's Friday, Cody. And as it's been a long week, right, there's been a whole lot that's, you know, transpired throughout this week. I don't want to talk about politics, but you guys saw what happened uh, throughout the week with the debate maybe had a laugh, maybe a head scratcher, who knows. But ultimately, it's been a good week. Despite anything that may have happened, we've made it to Friday, right? Which means game day is, what, 48 hours away, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken. When the Houston Texans square off against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday, this is a must-win game because, John, this team cannot afford to drop down to 0-4, which will be their second time in franchise history starting the season out 0-4 since 2008. And yesterday on the crossover show, you talked about it, I talked about it, being in the media availability with Deshaun Watson, but of course more so J.J. Watt, and you can see the frustration. You can hear it in their voices. This is a team that's, you know, regardless of what the record shows, they are talented. But at the end of the day, there have been a lot of head-scratching we could say play calling, head scratching moves that this team has made on and off the field. And it's, it's, it's starting to weigh on this team. And 
in order to try to save this, I know I get it. In 2018, they started 0-3, and they ended up reeling nine games in a row, and they actually made the playoffs. I believe they went 11-5 and that year and won their division. But this is not the same team. A lot, a lot of those players who was on that team are not here anymore. This is a younger team. The experience isn't there. And to be honest with you, at this point, if Sunday is the turning point of their season, I don't think they're going to go 11-5. and five. I don't think they're going to go 10-6. and six. I think if anything, at this point in the season, you know, we could possibly pray for 8-8, eight and eight, you know, and just with a slimmer of hope to get into the postseason. But with all that being said, you know, like Anthony Weaver said in his media availability on yesterday, we don't want to look down the road at Super Bowl. We don't want to look down the road at playoff. We just have to do what we can right now to get our first win of the season. And with that being said, um, you're looking at this team. It's a lot of questions surrounding this team on both sides of the ball. And, and we saw how much success they had against the Steelers. And we also saw them struggle against the Steelers as well. And I said I put this loss on the offense, more so the play calling of this offense. And yesterday I had the opportunity to ask Tim Kelly because I'm pretty sure you guys heard it on yesterday. The Minnesota Vikings do not have a great secondary. It's a little bit worse than what we have here in Houston. So it seems like this should be a game that the Texans should go in thinking we're going to attack their secondary. We have arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And even with the departure of DeAndre Hopkins, we still have a pretty good solid receiving core. A receiving core, by the way, that looked like they were starting to click in that first half of the game on Sunday against the Steelers. But instead of focusing on what this team does best and what this team has, Tim Kelly wants to try to make this a balanced team. And John, as of right now, what we saw throughout the first three games of the regular season, this is not a balanced team. And in, and in order to improve the Texans' chances of winning this game, they need to attack the, the Vikings secondary. And I say that because, once again, when you go back to last Sunday game and you look at our, our receiving core, our three-headed monster, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and Randall Cobb, they had a combined eight catches for 129 yards. And we saw this team get into a groove. The second half, there was running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, to the point they have ran this ball so much through the last two games. I don't really think the Texans are going to be able to rely on a running game this year. And I say that because David Johnson over the last two games is averaging only 2.5 yards per carry. And that's off of 24 attempts. Yes, I get it. He was playing against two of the best teams in the NFL at stopping the run. But at the end of the day, if you are talented enough to become an all pro running back, and I get it, he had a phenomenal year in 2016. But if you are talented enough to become an all pro running back at any point of your career, you should be averaging more than 2.5 yards per carry, no matter who you're going up against off of 24 attempts. We saw in the first half how much the offense was clicking when Deshaun Watson got all his receivers involved. And John, what, what have I been saying this whole entire time? Why in the offseason are you going to talk about the number of weapons Deshaun Watson have, but you never use it? Now on Sunday, you're going up against arguably one of the worst secondaries in the league. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You have a very talented receiving core. I just want Tim Kelly to forget about a balanced offense. I get it. I get it. You can't throw the ball. 100% of the time in the game. But there's no way in hell your run your your running game should be close to an equal amount of your passing game. 
that should not happen on Sunday against the Vikings. They need to attack, attack, attack that secondary. And I'm sorry, I still believe in David Johnson, but we're going to have to find some kind of other way and get him involved. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking about a passing game. He's one of the best pass catchers coming out of the backfield. So that's another target for Deshaun Watson. I don't know what it is, but Tim Kelly has to attack this secondary of the Minnesota Vikings in, in, in hopes of winning this game. Yeah, let's just keep it real for a moment. Like, it's not working what they are doing. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, getting the same result, but expecting something different, right? And it's been insane, especially after watching that second half. It's insane to continuously try to do something that is just not working. Now, I mean, like you pointed out, Houston – uh, they, they they open up their season against Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and then you go play the Baltimore Ravens, and then you go play the Pittsburgh Steelers, all of whom have great upfront defensive players. But with that being said, it's okay to allow your passing game to open up your running game. And it's also okay with, with going with what is completely working. And that's allowing Deshaun Watson, as the hashtag says, let Deshaun Cook put the ball in his hands. Allow David Johnson to really affect the game in a way that is best for the entire offense. And that's just getting him on open field with the ball in the passing game, right? Allowing him to win some of these one-on-one matchups with the tight end, I'm sorry, with the uh, linebacker. And, you know, for Kelly to preach, they want to have a balanced offense. I just, how much is that uh, you spewing out what you've heard your head coach say? And are you not taking the opportunity to look at the film to see what's actually working? The only time we've seen anything work, and David Johnson does have two rushing touchdowns this year, but on both of those rushing touchdowns, how well was the passing game on that drive? Well, one of them was a one yard. Come on now. But what I'm getting at is how well was the passing game on that on those drives? They're pretty good. They were pretty good. So put the ball in your quarterback's hand. Allow him to make the defense's job difficult. Right? Allow him to be the one that can open up the offense. To your point, all of these weapons that you mentioned we had in the offseason, well, that the Texans mentioned that they had in the offseason, bringing them in and how they wanted everybody to be involved, get them involved. But it does not have to be a traditional way. You don't have to get them involved in the in the way they would traditionally be involved, like i.e. David Johnson just running the ball. I don't want to see pointless rushes up the A-gap. If it's not working, cut it out. I don't want to see um, – multiple first down runs throughout the game. I don't want to see predictability. And I think when you, when you throw everything into one pot, that's been uh, the problem for Houston. If you throw all of the issues in for the pot, David Johnson's not being able to run the ball effectively because it's just not working from a play calling standpoint, throw that in the pot. Uh, you're not allowing your, 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 your quarterback to cook, throw that in the pot. Difficulty of not having an offseason. It is still killing the Texans from what we've seen in the first three games. Throw that in the pot. And overall, you get a dumpster fire. But we can go into this game Sunday 
against the Minnesota Vikings and win if they take a step out of themselves and, and allow their quarterback to do what he does. And that's just basically operate. We know with Deshaun, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And by that, I mean, there's going to be times where you're going to scream at your TV, throw the ball away. And then there's going to be times where you're going to scream at your TV like, go, go, go. See, I knew you can break out of that sack and get a 20-yard gain and a first down or a touchdown, depending on how it works out. You spin out of a sack, you can throw the ball, and then your running back or receiver makes a huge play. But I would rather us live and die with what Deshaun does so great from what we've seen him since his Clemson days than to live and die on something that's just not working. And that's Houston's problem so far. That The MO of being predictable has been Houston's problem since Gary, at least Gary Kubiak. And, you know, going into this offseason, I mean, going into this regular season, during the offseason, my number one question was, are we going to be able to see the difference from a Tim Kelly's office and Bill O'Brien's office for a full game? And we still have not seen it. And it's been detrimental. It's, it has aided to the fact that Houston is 0-3. And so that that's – when I look at the offense and what it could be, it's very difficult to imagine it when we want to have a balanced offense. You, you, you can't – you don't – you cannot afford that luxury right now. But what you can afford is what you already paid for. That's Watson. Let him go out there and drive the offense. It's, it's – Simple math to me. Deshaun Watson in the first half when he did not have those nine attempts, you were winning. Second half, only nine attempts. You lost the game. Could not establish um, you could not establish your offense. Three and outs here, three and outs there. Had one interception that was just a bad play, but there was nothing that was being established. And and ultimately you see the difference, the tail the, the, uh, of two halves. Deshaun cooking, Deshaun sitting down squatting because you're not allowing him to be who he is. And the players know. They're pissed off about it. You can tell in their faces. You can tell in their responses. Get your football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. So none of that other flack that you don't care for it. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all of the action, all of the football you can handle in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You can also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from players' perspective as they break down game concepts and techniques. Learn from your Houston Texans star, Deshaun Watson, or you can learn from Stephen Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archives. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. You know, I also want to tell you guys about Built Go, right? It's it's just amazing. It's kind of sweeping the the workout nation. It's sweeping the gyms. It's keeping everybody where they need to be in. Uh, Bill Go just makes you the best you at whatever you do. That's what it does. That is the main objective. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break right through it with Go every day. Easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages 
Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. If you're playing some flag football with your boys, it's good for that. Or you can just put it in your pocket to get through the day. Bilgo is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's so natural for the body. It's just completely better. It's like drinking a monster with a third of caffeine and better results. With three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and my favorite, chocolate mint. I like mint. You know, mint, mint it gives you like this fresh feeling at the end. You know what I mean? Whenever you drink it or eat it. Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff, and it's great to ignite your work. It ignites my work as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Going into this game, there are several ways the Texans can win or lose this game. But the main reason and possibly the number one reason that they could lose is the fact that they have one of the best running backs in the league on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. And that guy is, of course, I'm talking about is Dalvin Cook. Now, now with Houston sitting at 0-3, there's a lot of questions surrounding this team. Who are they? Are they a running team? Are they a passing team? Um, are they good on the, on the defensive side of the ball? There's just a lot of questions. And, John, you talked about it. Brandon from – Sports Radio 610 talked about it. Even I talked about it. I'm pretty sure the listeners at home talked about it. Who are the Houston Texans? However, when you talk about this team, there is one narrative that has stuck with this team. And the narrative that they cannot stop the run. And it's a narrative, but to me, it's not accurate. Yes, I understand it. When you look at the statistics in this totality, it shows that the Houston Texans are the worst team in the league at stopping the run. I mean, hell, they're giving up an average of 188 rushing yards per game, which is by far the worst in the league through the first three games of the regular season. But when you go back and you look at the last two games, it tells a different story when you really, truly sit and break this down. Because I personally do believe that the Texans actually did a good job at stopping the run when you take away the fourth quarter collapse that they have had. But when you go back and take a look at what they was able to do against the Steelers and, of course, the best team at running the football in the Baltimore Ravens, they did pretty well up until their fourth quarter collapse. And the best way to break this down is to see what they did prior to the fourth quarter. You look at those last two games. Through the first three quarters, the Texans are only giving up 89 rushing yards. In comparison to the fourth quarter alone, they're giving up 110. So this problem that the Texans are having, to be honest with you, John, I don't really think it's their fault because it goes back to what you and I talked about in the first segment, the fact that you have an offense that you are trying to run the football more than pass the football, and it's creating – opportunities for your offense to go three and out, three and out, three and out, and it's keeping your defense on the field. You know, the numbers I just gave you, that is going up against some of the best rushers that this league have, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, James, James Conner. But once again, how can you expect your defense 
to continue holding these guys, because remember, through the first three quarters, they're only giving up 89 rushing yards. How can you continue to expect your defense to play at that high level when they're out on the field in the second half 70 to 80% of the time because your offense cannot give you anything? You can't. You cannot expect them to do a better job. Exactly. And that's my point. And that's why, one, I feel very confident in their ability to slow down, at least contain Delvin Cooks, because even though they have done a good job through those first three quarters, there were some times that they gave up some big yardage. And all I'm going to say is we know that this defense is gassed by the time the fourth quarter comes. That's the reason why they're giving up so many yardage. All I'm going to say is in order for the Houston Texans to win and to contain Delvin Cook and to start erasing the narrative that they are not good at stopping the run, the offense has to show up. And, John, I'm telling you, if the offense shows up for four quarters, the defense is going to be just as good. You know, in order for the Houston Texans to actually give the Minnesota Vikings and Dalvin Cook a hard time is just to do a lot of things collectively throughout the four quarters of a game. When we look at the first half so far, Dalvin Cook has ran for 120 yards, two touchdowns, right? Uh, Five first downs. But when we look at the second half, he's ran for 174 yards, two touchdowns, and 10 first downs. Downs. Uh, Davin Cook is just really good. Whenever the Vikings run plays under the center, uh, 38 attempts, Davin Cook has ran for 248 yards with 6.5 yards per carry. Uh, against a normal rush, Davin Cook has ran for 294 yards. Davin Cook is just that good, right? When we look at the third quarter, the third quarter for Davin Cook, is it, it reminds me at least so far of the Steph Curry, KD, and Klay Thompson Warriors, when they used to take off in those third quarters. Right now, in the first quarter, he runs for 104 yards throughout the first three games. Second quarter, only 16 yards. Third quarter, 115 yards so far this year with six first downs, averaging 7.7 yards per carry. And what makes Dalvin even better is when the Vikings are trailing, which has been a lot this year, he's ran for 179 yards. Dalvin Cook is a stud at running back. Got his money happy for him. Uh, and the thing about it is they scheme Dalvin Cook. That word scheme is something that Houston does not know too much about, by the way. But they scheme Dalvin Cook really well. They get creative with his running. He's just a, such a phenomenal running back uh, overall. I mean, he can do a lot of things that other running backs in the league just cannot do. But collectively as a unit, Houston – has to buy in and everybody has to game tackle. Everybody has to pursue. Everybody has to be there because Dalvin Cook can make you miss or Dalvin Cook can get to a space where nobody else is around him because he's just that talented. Uh, and overall, when I look at what Dalvin Cook has been able to do, first downs, uh, he's rushed for 170 yards. Second down, he's rushed for 70 yards. And third down, he's rushed for uh, 54 yards. On those attempts, 5.9 yards, 4.7, 13.5, two touchdowns on first down, one on second and third. He's too damn good. And Houston has to do a better job of collectively flying to the ball. Everybody with a, a Texan symbol on their helmet, on that hat, everybody got to fly to him. And they've had issues throughout the first three weeks of missed tackles. Uh, those are some things that we've heard as being cleaned up during practice, which is good. But overall, hey, 
this is not one of the running backs you want to miss a tackle on. He's just not. And so I'm looking towards a few things. I'm, I, and I'm really going to watch Whitney Merciless this Sunday. I want to see him set the edge. I don't want to see him doing a lot of pointless things with his hands. I want to see him set that edge so he can use that in order to push Dalvin Cook back on the inside. And P.J. Hall and J.J. White have been having a phenomenal year so far uh, playing the inside technique. J.J. has been phenomenal throughout the year and putting P.J. Hall and, and, and getting him some more snaps, especially in the last two games, has been very good for Houston's run defense. And so I would like to see Dalvin Cook have a harder time hitting those outside zones and force him back in. Allow your linebackers to flow easily through and just make the damn tackle. Before getting out of here, of course, we're going to touch on the injury reports and the best possible news when looking at the Texans' injury report Duke Johnson uh, had his first full practice on yesterday, and I'm pretty sure he nine times out of 10 is going to be available for the game against the Minnesota Vikings. As you know, he suffered a pretty bad ankle sprain in the season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's been looking pretty good. Um, I wasn't out there on yesterday, you know, to get an accurate description on what he looked like, but from what I read from the reports and knowing that this was his first full participation, I'm pretty sure he's going to get some type of reps. But at the end of the day, you would love to see Duke Johnson, the second half of the Johnson brothers out there, because all that does is just give Deshaun Watson another solid pass catcher coming out of the backfield. But of course, on the flip side of things, I do believe in order for the Texans to not only be successful at stopping the run, but just to be successful on the defensive side of the ball against Minnesota in general, they're going to need all hands on deck. And Zach Cunningham growing, Charles who need. Both of those guys were limited. I don't think they're going to miss the game by any chance, but at the same time, you got to think of it from a standpoint. These are two guys going into a game battling a little minor of an injury, which means they might not be 100%, which means they might be a little limited throughout the game. But, of course, the biggest news – well, it's not really the biggest news because, I mean, we, we expect this by now. Will Fuller is back on the injury report with, of course, a hamstring injury. And, John, you know, at this point – and with that being said, I'm about to just go ahead on and say it, John. Will Fuller has the worst hamstring in Houston sports history. And, you no, know, I cover the Rockets. No, 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 no. Don't say that. I understand – they were Will Fuller in the Houston Texans away from have never been close to the Super Bowl. <laughs> never. We were we were smelling the NBA finals. So with all due respect, don't disrespect Chris Paul's hamstring I'm for being the worst hamstring in Houston history. I'm just but listen, the only thing about Chris Paul hamstring is the fact that it flared up on him at the worst time. Will Fuller's hamstring is always flaring up. And it just brings me back to my original point that I said right before the season started. Why not shorten his route and stop depending on him to just beat everybody based off of speed? Because at the end of the day, the guy is talented. In my eyes, he's a legit second-tier receiver, and there's a possibility he could possibly – he could sniff the first tier if he could ever stay healthy. And that is possibly – one of that's everybody's big problem with Will Fuller is the fact that he cannot stay healthy. And he he's always John, I'm sorry, man. I get it. A hamstring cost this city a championship in basketball, but this guy got the worst hamstring in Houston sports history, man. 
with all due respect, and I do mean with all due respect, don't disrespect Chris Paul's hamstring. The legend of missing the final. Don't do that. <laughs> Will Fuller has never helped this team get to a conference game, AFC conference game. We we don't I'm gonna stop right there. But yes, Will Fuller is back on the uh, injury report. AJ Moore is on the injury report. Houston will play with Lonnie Johnson Jr. at safety more. Philip Gaines will replace the role of Lonnie Johnson going into Sunday's matchup, which really isn't good for nobody on the defense, to be quite honest with you. Cody, who else is on the injury report for Sunday's matchup? Um, outside of PJ Hall with a groin, not too many, not 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 nobody else you really gotta worry about. Um, Cullen Gillespie, he's another name that's always on here. Last week he was on there for a concussion. This week he's he's on there for a hamstring injury. But other than that, you know, that that's the full list right there. So best part, do Johnson full participation, which means nine times out of ten, he possibly will play on Sunday's game. Of course, the three names that I'm looking at, Zach Cunningham, Will Fuller, and Charles Amenahu, because those are three guys who are going to decide the outcome of Sunday's game against the Vikings. So, John, here we go again. Hopefully, the next time we get on the mic Sunday night for Monday show, hopefully we're talking about a win. I, I'm going to be so devastated if the Texans end up losing this game. Devastated, yes. Surprise, unfortunately, no. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. We've made it to Friday. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texas and like us on Facebook. Guys, also take some time out. Go visit HoustonSportsPress.com. We have an amazing journalist, Karina Isabel, who is writing for your Houston Astros, kicking ass in the playoffs, might I add, despite the hate from the national media. We're back, baby. This is what we do. Again, that's HoustonSportsPress.com. Check her out on Twitter as well, at Karina Isabel H-O-U. And speaking of the Astros, be sure to check out Locked On Astros, what I got, Eric Hyman, and you can get all some extra Houston Astros stuff, as like John said, kicking ass in the playoffs. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter, at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.